Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Well, if you would, turning your Bibles this morning uh, to the book. Uh, well, we're going to look at two different scripture texts. So I'm going to give them to you. First, we're going to start off in uh, Matthew chapter 21. If, if you're one of those people, you have your paper Bible, then you can go ahead and turn over to Ac- Exodus. Exodus. Woo! Exodus chapter 12. Matthew 21, Exodus 12. We're going to look at a few things. Well, it was a Palm Sunday, but because of a sore throat five-year-old coy, We'll just say his name's Coy today. Uh, last name was Collins, just by coincidence. Uh, stayed home from church with a sitter. His mom and his dad and his family went on to church. And, but when his family returned home from church, they were carrying several palm branches. I think you've seen uh, Brother Gerald with a palm branch. And they were carrying several palm branches of Franz home. And, and so little, little Coy asked them what, what they were for. He didn't understand. And, of course, his dad said people held them over Jesus' head as he walked by. And little Coy just kind of slumped his shoulders and said, wouldn't you know it, the one day that I miss Sunday and he shows up. <laughs> I know I drug it out a little bit. But hey, it's good to have brother and sister Collins with us today. That's Christy's mom and daddy, and we're so glad and honored to have, have them. I won't say he's a retired minister. He's just slowed down a little bit in the pulpit, but just so good and honored to have you with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 21 this morning. Today is Palm Sunday, and it's the Sunday that we set aside uh, to remember Christ. They call it the triumphal entry. Matter of fact, in many Bibles, that's what they titled this paragraph of Scripture, this section of Scripture, they call it the triumphal entry, and, and we, we celebrate this. This is the final week. We even call it the Passion Week. It's the final week of the life of, of Jesus before he is hung on the cross for our salvation. It would start off with celebration, as we're going to look in the scriptures this morning. It starts off with celebration, but quickly becomes tragic. But by the end of the week, it would end up being triumphant and victorious once again, because we know the rest of the story. Jesus would come back to life after three days and exit the tomb. So in Matthew chapter 21, we're going to look at verse 10 to begin with. And we're going to look at this, what we call Palm Sunday. If you didn't know why they called it Palm Sunday, you'll find out here in a minute. They, they use palms. And there's a lot of prophetic things in this scripture. I'm not going to look at the prophecy of the donkey. We know that, that, was the, that he was prophesied he would enter in on a humble, uh, as a humble king on a, on a donkey. And the, and the palm branches represent victory. It was typically when a king returned from battle in the armies, they would come out and celebrate the victory. We're, we're not going to necessarily look at all that. But today I want us to look at what this day really means to us, or really this week. You know, there's a lot of things during the Passion Week that we try to provide for you. Uh, We've got online uh, devotionals that point to the week of Christ's Passion, his his last week of life. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. We'll be looking probably, I'm I'm not right there on the Bible study yet for Wednesday night because we're changing subject matters, but I'm thinking about looking at the last week of life, the life of Christ more in detail. Wednesday night, you're welcome to be a part of that. Friday night, 
I'm not trying to be a commercial, but I'm just telling you, I, we need to remember what happened this week over 2,000 years ago. We're going to have, what's the Tenebrae story? I had a lot of people, I love it, say, what is that? Never heard it. We've done them here before, but it's just, it's just a, a time of reflection. It's Friday night at 6 o'clock. We'll have a few songs. Uh, we're going to read Scripture. It's going to be candlelit, and we will extinguish a candle each time a Scripture is read, the, the last moments of the life of Christ. We're going to be reading the red letters out of the New Testament, so to speak. Uh, it's a great time. We want to do that because we celebrate his resurrection, but we need to remember what he went through. It's just not rising from the dead. We're going to look at that next Sunday, but it, there's so much more to it. And so today, I don't apologize with the form of this message. I usually like to preach, and I like to give you a lot of bullet points, and this is how you live practically. This is how you can approach this. And today, it's not going to be quite as practical, but not quite as friend, user-friendly. Today, we're going to go through that day, or actually that week, from a 3,000-foot view and look at something about the life of Christ that we celebrate, but maybe we don't fully understand how he fulfilled. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 20 and verse 10. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he, being the owner, will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the, fo the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Now, so you have an understanding of the narrative here. You have two groups of crowds that, that, that are in this story. And I want to make sure because if you read it, it sounds like it contradicts itself. You have the pilgrims, those who are traveling to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Some of these were people who witnessed Lazarus coming back from the dead. And so they're coming in for Passover. We're going to talk about Passover today. And so they're traveling with them. So the, and it was not unusual for them to pilgrim to Jerusalem for this celebration. So those people, knowing who they are, they're walking along with them. It's not as if they came out of the city. Yes, some may have come out of Jerusalem, but these are the people who are traveling with some of them as followers. Many of them are just people coming and they said, hey, we know you're the guy who raised Lazarus from the dead. Wow. And so they're the ones celebrating. That, these are the ones throwing their coats. These are the ones with the palm branch. I want you to get the story because the title of the story is, Who is this? So we got to make sure we know who's asking this this morning, okay? Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him, see these traveling with him, and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosea in the highest. Hosanna, excuse me, in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? Those in the city. And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, I have a confession to make to you this morning, okay? Um, I, I'm a little geeky when it comes to, well, a lot of things, and don't have to amen me on that. I'm a little geeky when it comes to autographs, especially when they're sports 
athletes, you know, in other words, they're stars or athletes. It don't even have to be a well-known one. I've got, I got autographs from, from different players. If I mentioned their names, you wouldn't even know who they were, but I, I had an opportunity to meet them, and I love to get their autographs. Just, I'm a collector of autographs. But there are occasions when I have the opportunity and I see a celebrity of some time, I will go after a celebrity's autograph. And there was this time four years ago, matter of fact, four years ago this past week, it came up on Sherry's Facebook page of memory. We were in New York City with some friends of ours. And when we was there, we went to see Aladdin on Broadway. It was unbelievable. Well, being the autograph seeker that I am, and it was a cold, bitter night that night. We was all dressed up, so it wasn't like we had sweaters. We dressed up for the evening. And, and so afterwards, most of the people, most of the boring people, wanted to go back to the room where it was warm or to a restaurant. Not me. I'm going to the back alley where the actors come out, the stars come out, and what am I doing? I am seeking autographs. I, I just And I didn't want to go by myself because, I'll be honest, it'd be kind of creepy. I mean, I'm a 50-year-old man going out here. It's like, oh, all these young teeny boppers out there. So what do I do? I drag two young men. One is my son, Trevor. The other one was, was Cody Haney. And we won't mention Cody's real name. We'll just say it was Cody Haney. He's here this morning. And, and I said, you two are going with me. And it was cold. I'm talking about no lie. It was cold that night. We're standing back there, and of course, they don't just come out after the show. They've got to change their clothes, get their makeup, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're chit-chatting. They, they had food back there, I'm sure, and all this in the meal. And so we're out there shaking, and we're out there with all these little teeny boppers. There's some older folks, but not like my age out there. And suddenly, some of the actors came out, and they're very gracious, take pictures uh, uh, with them, and, and they, they would sign the playbill, the show bill, you know, the little thing. Well, here, I brought it with me just to prove to you. I got several autographs. And suddenly, from not from the studio, from behind us, this guy comes up, and all of a sudden, everybody turns and sees him, and they're, oh, and they're flocking to him, and, and they just start taking pictures and, and autographs. So what do I do? <laughs> right, take a picture. And, and signed it, and after he left, I was too embarrassed to ask. I said, who was that? Who was that, right? And, and I got his autograph. It's on here. one of these. You can't read them. But anyways, uh, and it's come to find out, he, I believe they were told me he was the original actor who played the genie in Aladdin. And, of course, he's a Tony Award winner, a big name, a big guy. And so, anyways, I was like, who, who was that? Because I really had no idea who that was, right? Um, well, that's kind of what we have in our story this morning. I say that to bring us back to the story. You, you have this fellow, obviously we know it's Jesus, he's, he's coming into Jerusalem, and there are people who knew him, right? But there are some who, who didn't, and all this fanfare is taking place, and he's entering in, and these people are saying, who is this? Who is this that, that people would throw down their cloaks for him, right? I mean, who, who is this that people would come out and wave palm branches at him? And, and who is this that they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, which Hosanna means save us now. Save now. You know, so who, who is this person? You know, they, they had no idea. But what interests me is that the crowd which has come along with Jesus has celebrated Jesus. Not only do the people in Jerusalem not realize who it was, but even these who were walking with him when he arrived, they didn't really know what they were doing. They were honoring Jesus. They were being prophetic in what they said about Jesus. They were fulfilling prophecy. I read it. But they had no idea, they had no idea who he was. They actually missed it because they said he was a prophet. 
But he was so much more than a prophet. So this morning, I want us to look at this. What does this mean today as Christians? If you're here this morning and you're saved and you really don't understand the, the role that Jesus played, how he became your Savior, this, this will explain it to you today. If you're here this morning and you're unsaved, I hope this prompts your heart to see how God would provide for you a way that you can be right with him and right relationship with him. If you've been saved a long time and you understand it, this is reason today to give God praise and to glorify him because of your salvation and that relationship you have with him. Because Jesus is many things to us. We know that he's king. One day, he, well, he's already, but we will acknowledge him. The whole world, every, all creation, every human will acknowledge him as king of kings. We know he's Lord, and one day every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord of lords. We know that he is the Messiah, the anointed one of God. But this morning, what I want us to do is look at Jesus and at, from the perspective that he is the Passover lamb. We miss that so much in Christian circles today because Passover wasn't originally a Christian festival. It is today because Christianity wasn't even around back in Jesus' day. He was the birth of it. And it really gave birth in Acts chapter 2 when the church became the church. And so we want to look at this this morning. So first of all, let's look at and understand why Jesus was packed, or excuse me, why Jerusalem was packed with so many people. So let's look at that. These people had traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate what we know as the Passover. For the Jews, this was the oldest and really the most uh, sacred of celebrations or festivals. It's the oldest and the one that they really held closest to them. It's still celebrated today. It was a time of remembering what? Remembering how the Lord had spared them, spared the Israelites from, from death. If you remember right, Israel, back in the Old Testament, was in, in slavery and bondage to Egypt for 400 years. God raises up a leader by the name of Moses. If you ever wonder why the Ten Commandments come on TV every year this time, it's not because necessarily of Easter, although we still celebrate it, but it's really about Passover. This is it. And so he raises up a leader by the name of Moses. And through Moses and Aaron, uh, God is wanting to lead his people out of, I preached on that, <laughs> for the last two months, out of Egypt, out of bondage. We see the symbolism there. And, and so what God does is he sends nine plagues upon Egypt, nine plagues, and, and to just try to get Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. But Pharaoh's heart hardened, so God says, I've got one more, and, it, and it's the plague of death. But God did not intend his people to die, right? So he says, listen, you do this. You take a lamb, you sacrifice this lamb, place the blood over the doorpost, and I will pass over you, and I will not kill you, the first, firstborn of the family and of all the livestock. And so we see that. We see that this is Jesus fulfilling the, the foreshadowing of the Passover lamb. So let's look at this a little bit more. So in instituting the Passover in the Old Testament, God was very specific about when this feast to take place. God is definitely, the devil's not in the details. We say that a lot. God is the person. He is the being. He is the creator. He is the one who's in the, in, in the details. And so in Leviticus chapter 23, I didn't actually turn there. It will be on the screen for you. It says this. There are the appointed feasts. There's several of there's, there's many feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. You don't just do this anytime. There's certain there we go. God, God said, listen, your calendar is starting over. 
He says, when you, right now, your first month of a new year is now Nisan, N-I-S-A-N. And it began right there. That's why the Jewish calendar doesn't line up with our calendar. They start a new year different than us. And so God says, this is a, a new year. This is a new start in your life. Come on, somebody. And so now, how are you going to start this new month? He says, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, as the sun is going down, this is the Lord's Passover. God was specific. The Passover was take place in the first month, on the 14th day. This was the appointed time for the Passover. Now, if you are read the Gospels, and you have followed Jesus in his miracles, there was many times Jesus would perform miracles, and what would he usually tell the person who wanted to go say what happened? I've got to go proclaim. The demonic, when, when, when the change, when he was released uh, from, uh, from the bondage of the, 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 the demons, he said, I've got to go. Tell. Jesus said, no, no, no. Go, don't go tell anybody what I've done for you. Right? This wasn't necessarily Jesus being humble. He says, it's not my appointed time. It's not time for me. It's not time for me to be what? Revealed. So over Matthew 26, 17, and 18, it says this. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, I don't want to go into all the feasts, but this is the one that began. This feast began at Passover, the day of Passover, okay? Remember, the whole week is not Passover. It's celebrated. It's one day. So on that first day of the unleavened bread, which is Passover, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? I know this is confusing, but just understand. He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time, my time is what? At hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Over in John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus answered him, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. My time is at hand. The hour has come. Now is the appointed time. Up to this time, Jesus was not to be revealed as the Messiah. He was not to be revealed as the Lamb of God. He says, it's not my time. God says, I'm in the details. There's appointed time for, for this to happen. Now, I'm trying to show you how he fulfills the role of the Passover land. Now is God's timing for Jesus to be revealed. Okay? That's what this coming into, you're going, it's going to come together in a minute. You're looking at me like, I don't know where you're going with this, Pastor. Trust me with this. This, this is some rich, I won't say information, this is rich. Rich in our faith, okay? My time has come. In this way, his appointed time, this is it. If, if this was his appointed time, it was there ne therefore necessary if he was to meet the, appointed, the appointment that God had for Jesus, that Jesus had to go to the appointed place. He's traveling to Jerusalem. It's the appointed time for him to be revealed. What better place for him to be revealed than in Jerusalem? Why? This isn't the way the original Passover was celebrated before Jerusalem. It, wasn't, it was before the temple they celebrated. Why now? Because Jerusalem is where God placed his name. This is the city of God. Understand? The temple is the place of worship. Things had changed over time. Now this was the epic center of worship and for the celebration. So it, it, this was the time. Jesus, understand this, Jesus entered the city was God presenting the final Passover lamb to the world. It was appointed time and it was the appointed place and God is saying, here is your final Passover lamb, Passover lamb of all lambs. 
there would not need to be another sacrifice day forward. No more lambs would have to, have to give their, their lives for your salvation. He is the lamb of God. God's saying, I'm giving you a lamb. I'm providing the lamb. Now in Exodus chapter 12, God gives the instructions for the celebration of Passover. In verse 1 it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. I mentioned that. All right, It shall be the first month of the year for you. I'm changing the calendar. This is it. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every month man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for the household. Now, I don't want us to get bogged down in the numbers, but I want you to see how God, Jesus fulfilled this. On the fourteenth day of Nisan, the month of Nisan, the lamb was to be slaughtered. God said on the tenth day, four days before the slaughter, the killing of this lamb, you are to select a lamb. Okay? So they were to choose a lamb for Passover on that tenth day, four days before the actual sacrifice. Now, guess what day Jesus enters in Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday? It was the tenth. It was the Sunday before Passover's. Remember, the Jews, they start a day at sunset, not at midnight. And so this is the day that Jesus would enter the city. He was on the 10th day. So by their shouts, the people heralded Jesus to be the long-awaited Messiah. Unknowingly, they're, uh, they're calling him the Messiah. They're shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. The Messiah would be called the Son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Messiah would come in the name of God. Hosanna in the highest. We know that Hosanna means what? Save us now. They were crying out for salvation and acknowledging that he was the Messiah. But of course, their salvation they were looking for was from Rome. That's where they missed him. See? But nonetheless, they were fulfilling the prophecy. They were acknowledging him as the Messiah. So with these, 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 these proclamations, the people have made it clear. They have reached a decision. They have made a choice. They have chosen Jesus to be the Messiah. Unwittingly, the crowds have chosen their Passover lamb on the very day the lambs were to be chosen. That's deep when you think how God did this. Passover in the Old Testament foreshadowing of this very day and what God desires to do for us. Let me continue. Like I said, this is a lot of just information, but at the end you're going to see how it all comes together. He further instructs that the lamb must be examined for what? Blemishes. For blemishes, right? For defects until the 14th day. You choose him on the 10th, you watch him for four days. Make sure there's no blemishes. Exodus 12, 5 through 6. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You, make, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, sunset. Only a perfect, spotless, unblemished lamb would suffice for this Passover. They would examine it, make sure it wasn't blind in either eye. They'd make sure it walked properly, make sure it didn't have a, a, a lame leg. They'd make sure that the, the fleece was, was as perfect. They're looking for the best lamb they can provide for what? It's a sacrifice unto the Lord. It was to please the Lord. Now, we know in one way that Jesus fulfilled this, this requirement, don't we? We know that he was without sin. He was out blemish. 
But as you look at this story, we find that there's another way that he fulfilled this requirement. During the Passion Week, we know that Jesus would come and go into the city. And in one particular day, you can find this scripture over Matthew 22, he goes into the temple, and while he's there, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Heterodians and the, and the, and the keepers of the law, the scribes, they all gather around Jesus, and they're what? They're testing Jesus. They're asking Jesus questions about the law. They're, 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 they're trying their hardest to find a flaw in his theology, if I could use that word, so they could denounce him as what the people believed was the Messiah. He had people follow him. They didn't like it. If we can find a flaw in what he knows about the law, then we can say he's not the Messiah. You can read the story for yourself in Matthew 22. And guess what? Jesus answered every attack, every question perfectly. He Why? Because he was without blemish. He was without blemish. He was the Passover lamb. He was the perfect lamb of God. And they could not disprove his theology, his knowledge of the law. They were looking for the blemish, but they could not find any. God further instructs that before Passover, all leaven must be cast out of the homes of the Israelites. And they were to eat unleavened bread for seven days. There again, not to go into the festival. Uh, the, the festival's unleavened bread was seven days, but it began on the day of Passover. That's why they had unleavened bread at their Seder meal. If you know anything about the Seder meal, see, they weren't for seven days. And so what they would have to do, well, let's just read it, Exodus 12, 14 and 15. This day shall for you be a memorial day, and you shall keep it at a, as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast, as a celebration. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your house. For you know leaven's like yeast, all right? But it represented sin. It, it, that's really what this is representing, okay? For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So before the day of Passover, the exurban families, what would they do? Days, if not weeks, they went and cleaned their houses. I, I think we need to f celebrate this again, don't, don't you? I think we need to celebrate this way. Maybe we, we call it spring cleaning, I know, but they, they would. They would go, and, and I mean, they were so meticulous about it. They would go, and they would sweep the house. They would clean the cupboards, clean the table. They would check pockets everywhere. They, why? They didn't want any leaven, any of the yeast, anything that would defile this celebration, this feast, because of what it represented. It represented sin is exactly what the leaven represented. And so in doing that, they would clean house. This was to be done before the Seder or the Passover meal. It was during these days of casting out leaven that Jesus enters the temple. And guess what he does? He casts out the money changers. What does that mean? Well, what is the temple to him? My father's house will be a house of prayer. My father's house. In essence, what he did is he went to his daddy's house and he got rid of the leaven from the temple. He cleaned house fulfilling this part of what was to be done before the Passover meal. He says, no, turns the table over. You jackals, get out of here. Get out of here. I don't know about you, but as I was studying this week, man, I was just like, wow. God is really good. He's real, he, 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 can out, he can write a story better than I don't know whoever your favorite author is, I'm telling you. This far surpasses, I'm sorry guys, Star Wars or Star Trek. I'm sorry. What a story. 
On that day of Passover 2,000 years ago, the temple would have been crowded with pilgrims bringing up their lambs for Passover sacrifice. The city was packed. Matter of fact, I was reading historically from some Jewish historical writings. They would actually months before begin preparing temporary housing for people. There would be so many people that would travel. And they would actually have to erect uh, or, or at least clean up and fire up. I'm sure they didn't tear them down, but uh, ovens all along the city and outside the city for roasting, preparing for this Passover meal. Because so many pilgrims would come. This place, it would be packed, packed with, with people. All the priesthood of Israel would, would be at the temple for this particular festival. The lambs would be bound. There's a particular way that the lambs would be bound, skillfully to the point that there would be no bones broken in the lamb's body. Passover lamb could not have any broken bones in it, which we know is prophetic as it looks towards Christ and how the prophecy said that he would have no broken bones. See, I, I know this, may, some of you, this may not tickle your interest, I think you use that term, but I love the way God dots every I and crosses every T. He's into the details. The, the, the lambs would be taken, they would be bound, they would be sacrificed, and and, and, and it was such a busy day. If you could imagine how many people, how many lambs had to be slaughtered. It was a messy situation. And they would, they would sacrifice. They would, they would prepare the lamb out, outside the temple. They would bring the lambs in for each family. The lamb would be sacrificed. They would have silver and gold bowls to catch the blood of each lamb, the basins. And there would be a line, kind of like a fire line of firemen. You know how they, in the days, the bucket brigade and, and they would pass it from one priest to the other priest to the other priest to the other priest as quickly as they can they'd have another line that the empty bases would be brought back and the priest at the very end would take the blood and he would not pour it he would sling it on the altar the brazen altar and quickly give it because there had to be a, there had to be a, a pace to this to accommodate all the people who had come to the city for this Passover celebration then the the lambs would be taken and they'd be, they would be hung on hooks, and the lambs would be skinned, being careful not to break any bones, because why? They now had to be roasted for the meal. God was very particular how he wanted this done. The family lived in or near Jerusalem. The family would take their lamb home to prepare for Passover, or if they were visiting, they would find a place. Remember Jesus, I read the scripture. He says, go to this man. We'll have Passover in his house. Instead of traveling back to Lazarus' house. What I find interesting is we look at this imagery at 9 o'clock on the 14th of Nisan, that Thursday, with all the preparation done for the Passover, Jesus, just like the Passover lambs, is prepared for his death. Having met the appointed time and the appointed place, having cleansed the Father's house and having been found without blemish, he is then bound to the altar that we call the cross and hung up between earth and heaven. His body beaten, bruised, but no bones were broken. His blood shed on the cross, our altar today. He fulfilled the role of the Passover lamb once and for all. We don't have to kill lambs anymore. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. He fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled for that sacrifice. Who is this? Who is this? Let's get back to the title of the message. Who is this? Well, John chapter 1, verse 29, speaking of John the Baptist, says the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, 
Who is this? People, who is this? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Over in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? A little sin makes it all contaminated, right? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. In other words, you're not supposed to have that leaven. Who is this? He goes on, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Who is this? He's Jesus, the Son of God. He is the Passover lamb. As our worship team comes back and we prepare for communion in just a moment. You have your elements. If you don't, please wave your hand and one of our ushers, our, our hospitality team will help you. But I don't want you to start closing up your Bibles. I don't want you to start putting your, getting you ready to leave. Brother Gerald, if you could, we have someone here who needs some elements. Here they come. Right up here, Brother Keith. Thank you. Just keep your hand raised if you need elements this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I need to give the salvation call right now. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 tells us this. Indeed. Indeed. Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. See, the Passover lamb, as without going into all the festivals again, Jesus fulfills all, all the requirements for festival, the Day of Atonement. All these were for what? The remission of sin. But a lamb's sacrifice only lasted for a season. That's why they did it every year. Matter of fact, if you look at the Old Testament law, if they found themselves in sin, they would go and do a sacrifice for that sin. But it would only cover it for a season. Jesus became the Passover lamb. He died once and for all. There doesn't have to be another Passover lamb. Who is this? He is the Passover lamb. Jesus was born in order that he would die as our Passover lamb, shedding his sacrificial blood for the covering and removal of our sins. Just like the blood of the first Passover lamb saved the Israelites from death as God passed over the land, that plague of death, so Jesus' blood saves us from what? A spiritual death. When this, that song we sang talked about no longer fearing death. Death is no longer an issue. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear physical death. We don't have to fear spiritual death. Why? Because of the Passover lamb. Because of what Jesus did for us on Calvary. See, God's love compelled him to send Jesus to die for us. We know that. Anybody, even a lot of people who aren't saved know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him, believe, not just, oh yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe, but no, believe, put their faith, put their trust in him, would not perish, would not die. He wasn't talking about physically dying, for we know it's appointed to man to die, and then the judgment. He's talking about a spiritual death. Wouldn't die, wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. That's the love that God has for us. He sent his, knowing that Adam and Eve would sin, even knowing into the future that sin would enter this world, God still had a plan for you and I. Yeah. That's the Passover lamb. Yeah. 
He had a plan for the Israelites. I've got to get you out of your bondage. I've got to get you out of your sin. I've got to get you out of that foreign country. I have a land of promise. I've got a place that I've promised you. You've been looking forward to. For me to get you from here to there, I've got to take care of your enemies. I've got to take care of the Egyptians. See, So he came to take care of the sin that held us back from the promises. You see. You see. Come on. Do you see? Let the blinders fall off this morning. Do you see? He is our Passover lamb. He was a lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. As I already quoted from, or paraphrased from John, I mean, from Revelation chapter 4 into chapter 5, I saw a lamb. There was no one worthy to unroll the scroll. Oh, but then there was a lamb that appeared to be slain. It was Jesus. Jesus, our Passover lamb. On this day, over 2,000 years ago, people were singing his praise, but they only saw him as a prophet. They missed him. The people in the city didn't know who he was. Those who were following only saw him as a prophet. And so today, we have to answer the question. This is, this is the gist of the message. I hope you're getting it. I hope it's clear enough. Who is this? Today, you've got to decide who he is. Is he just a good man who lived a good life? Was, was he just a prophet who went around performing miracles through the power of God? That's not a bad thing. Is that it? Is, who is he? Who is he to you? Do, do you have it in your mind and your heart? Is he the lamb that was slain from the foundation? Of, is he your Passover lamb? Have you, do you see him as your Savior and your Lord? He, fulfill, he, he fulfilled every prophetic word written about him. And what hasn't been fulfilled is yet to come. He's still going to come riding a white horse. He is going to come one day and enter Jerusalem as the conqueror of, of man. But this day he came as the conqueror of sin and of death and of fear and of depression and of sickness. Come on, somebody. That's my Passover lamb. Who do you see? Who is this? To me, his name is Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. He is the Savior of the world. Father, God, I thank you, Lord, that you are into the details, God. And we can see, Lord, the foreshadowing, God, in Leviticus, Lord, and Exodus, God. Father, we can see the foreshadowing of one day that Jesus becoming the ultimate Passover lamb, God. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, Lord, that you have provided that for me personally, Lord. I was lost, God, but then I was found because your spirit drew me, Lord, into relationship with you. And I'm so thankful, God, that I've received him as my Lord and Savior. I'm so thankful, Lord, that his blood has been applied to my heart, to my life, God. I'm covered, Father, in his blood, God, and I'm saved for eternity. God, I'm saved for eternity. And I thank you. We're going to honor the Lord, remember him in communion. And... Um, what that means to us is our Passover lamb this morning. So if you would, if you would get your elements prepared and opened up. and We will bless it and we will partake together of it. Father, I, I find peace knowing, Lord, that you are not caught off guard by anything that happens. Especially in the lives of your children. Lord, we know that Yolanda is a child of yours.
God, that you're going to take care of her. You order her steps, Lord. And, Father, she is not going to heaven any sooner than you're ready for her. So, Lord, we trust you with that, Father. And we thank you so much that today we can trust you for her healing as well as anyone else, God, that's in this room, watching online, or anyone we may know, Father. We can trust you with their healing because of what Jesus went through on that week of Passover 2,000 years ago. God, he was, body was beaten and bruised. And we know from prophecy from Isaiah, it is for our healing. It's for a lot of things. But definitely right now, Father, our mind is upon physical healing. But Lord, it's also for emotional healing, God. It's also for habitual sin that seems to rule us, God. It's, and we thank you so much. Jesus, I want to thank you personally for willingly going through what you went through. That Palm Sunday, that Sunday, that, that tenth day of that month, you knowingly entered in Jerusalem, fulfilling the prophecy spoken about you, and you willingly walked the walk that you had to that week. And I thank you for that, that you allowed your body to be beaten and bruised and your hair to be plucked and you to be humiliated so that we could know you in a different way. We could know you through our healing, through our deliverance. And I thank you for your broken body. In Jesus' name, partake. I also thank you, Lord, for providing the Passover lamb. As Jesus is foreshadowed in the Old Testament through this ritual, God, may it never become a ritual for us as we remember this in communion. God, as Jesus took the Seder meal 2,000 years ago and he made it into what we call today communion, a time of communing with you through the death, through the suffering of your son Jesus as we remember what he has done for us. We can look back and see what he's done. We can look today, even today in Yolanda's life, and seeing what you've done for her, God, and we can even look into the future and know that our, our salvation is secured in the blood of Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, for being nailed to that cross. Allowing yourself, lying down on that, that, that old rugged cross, that wooden cross, that altar, and allowing them to nail your hands and your feet. And your blood was shed for all humanity for all time. You did it for me. God, you personally you had me on your mind, Jesus, when you allowed them to nail you on that cross and you died that day. You died for me. You died for me so that I would not have to die the ultimate death of separation from your Father. And I thank you for that. And Lord, that on the third day, just as you prophesied, you rose from that grave. You rose, Father, victorious, Jesus, victorious over that grave, over death, and over sin. We no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to be ruled by sin because we've applied the blood to the doorposts of our lives. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Let us partake of the cup. Father, as we enter this week of passion, may each day be special as we reflect on what Jesus did that particular day. Lord, may we make it personal this week as we study your scriptures, 
God, as we mourn, have a time of mourning for what he went through, Lord, and then celebration. Be with us this week. Lord, may, may we not go through the motions. But as we wake up each morning, thankful for the day and remembering what you went through for us, Jesus. Let it be real to us. This isn't a story. It's not a movie. It's not a book other than it's in the Word. It was real. You went through it for us, God. And may we reflect on that this week. Now be with us. God, if we truly appreciate what you've done for us, then Lord, may we be compelled by your Spirit this week to share your love with somebody that doesn't know you. And then next Sunday, Lord, we can come in rejoicing as we bring our sheaves, God, the harvest. Be with us and bless us this week, God, and we thank you for it. Continue to be with Brother Ben, God, with Judy, with Jacob, God, and with Yolanda today, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you.